Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to the Least of These Podcasts. We reach out to those the world has forgotten. If you'd like to know more about us and how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission, go to hisloveministries.net. Thank you very much and God bless you. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the And when I'm lifted up, Jesus said, I will draw all peoples unto me, you know. 
I will draw all men unto me. So basically, when we look, get to verse 30, he's saying here, he begins to tell us the human responsibility side. Because remember, chapter 9 up to verse 29 really talks about God choosing Israel. Like I said, we started out with Isaac and Ishmael, and then we went down to Jacob and Esau, and then we went to Moses and Pharaoh, and then we come down to the end of the chapter, and, and he's talking about the fact that, that the people of God, that they were, they were chosen by God, and, and even though they've run away from God, and he put them aside for a period of time, that eventually he was going to call them back, right? And that's what all the books of the Old Testament do, is they always... God always judges the people. Some of those books, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, some of those books are hard to read because the people of God, the Israelites, have been so disobedient to God that he puts them aside and he judges them, he judges them, he judges them because of their sin. But at the end of the book, he always says, but I'm going to bring you back and I'm going to love you and I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to, you know, for those that want to come back and, he says, and, and eventually I'm going to bring you back. But, you know, the Bible says the consequences of sin are, are judgment, right? And so the wages of sin is death. So when we get to verses 30 to 33, like I said, now we're in the, the last point where we see that God's actions are consistent with his redemptive plan. And when we look at this section, we're going to see the basis of God's choice, faith versus no faith. And that's what he's going to say. Like I said, uh, the whole first part of chapter 9 all the way up to 29 talked about God choosing election. But in chapter 10, he's going to talk about there in the verse 30 to 33. And then on to chapter 10, he's going to talk about their rejection of God, how the Jews have rejected God. And in chapter 11, he's going to talk about their restoration, that plan of love that he's going to bring them back, right? There's that whole thing that we talked about again. And so as we look at this section today, let me just read chapter 9, verse 30 to 33, and then we'll talk about that section. He says, What shall we say then that the Gentile, that Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness of faith, but Israel... Pursuing the law of righteousness has not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith, but as it were by works of the law. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. So, like I said, last week we were talking about the sovereignty of God and how strong it was. At the end, there was a comment made, and, and that's why this week we only got the first half of it. We saw that Miss Virginia last week said something about, well, people always have a choice and didn't really get a chance last week to say that last week was the sovereignty part, and this week is the man choosing part, right, that, that we all have a choice. And so as we look at this section... What does he begin to say? He starts out again with another one of these what shall we say then questions. And remember, Paul, what he's doing is he keeps breaking up these sections by this what shall we say then 
questions and what does he do and he's he's using this diatribe right and what he's doing is he's imagining that there's these imaginary hecklers these people asking questions in the audience and they're saying what shall we say then you know is god unjust is god unrighteous because the gentiles who didn't pursue it they ended up getting saved but the jews who were pursuing salvation they didn't get saved and so he's going to ask that question ask and answer the question because what does he do he says he's going to sum up this whole thing right here in verses 30 to 33 and remember this section really talks about the unbelief of israel does not violate the prerequisite or the plan of god and what is that prerequisite for a relationship with him it's faith, right? What does God require from us? Faith, right? I mean, that's the whole Hebrews 11 chapter. There's a whole chapter dedicated to the fact by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. Without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. And so, like I said, this section is a welcome balance to the heavy dose of sovereignty we've been exposed to. And this talks about the human responsibility faith and faith and faith and it puts us back in that tension of god's sovereignty and man's responsibility like i said it's everywhere in the bible jesus told the pharisees he says you're not my sheep and then he says and you're not my sheep because why because you will not believe and he always tells them you stiff-necked and and uh hard-nosed people that you always reject the the holy spirit's calling you and so, like I said, that somehow or another, we don't understand election and we don't understand human, so human responsibility. But, you know, one man put it this way, that the Jews always felt like that the Gentiles had to come up to the Jewish level to be saved. But what really needed to happen was the, Gentile, the Jews needed to go down to the Gentiles level to be saved. The Jews were saying, come up to our standard of righteousness, our holiness, our purity. Come up to our standard and you can be saved. Do all the things that we're, we're doing and you can be saved. But God says, no, you have to go down to the standard of the Gentiles, those who cried out and asked God to save them. Remember, we always talk about the Pharisee that he says, I thank God I'm not like other people that I tithe, I fast, I do this, I do that. And all these wonderful things i think i told you i can't remember i've told you recently that the pharisees that they had three prayers they said thank god i'm not a gentile thank god i'm not a samaritan and they also said i thank god i'm not a woman <laughs> they were real nice people weren't they and that was that was three of their prayers that they were glad that they were who they were and they stand there i thank god i'm this and that and the other and he's looking up at god and 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 then it says the tax collector the most despised guy of whole society he won't even look up to god but he he won't even look up but he says oh god be merciful to me a sinner and you know that's the thing that we all need to understand as he gets into this section here he says that the gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained the righteousness even the righteousness of faith he says that basically the Gentiles are doing what? They're trusting in God. They're believing in God. They're crying out, saying, oh, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, right? But he says that Gentiles, there's no definite article, but 
but basically he's talking about just Gentiles and period. But he says that they didn't pursue it. And that word pursue means to like run swiftly, to work at it hard, endeavor to acquire it, to chase it, to pursue it. These people, these Gentiles, remember the Bible talked about that over in Ephesians as I've been reading through the book of Ephesians. And he says that at that time you were without God, without hope, without the covenants, and you were far from God, right? He said, but God who is rich in mercy, and he, he, he made us, we who were dead, he made alive, and by grace you're saved through faith. And so he begins to tell that. Remember, I mean, basically, you can even look around here right now, and we know we got a whole lot more place in the facility, but most people aren't pursuing God, are they? I mean, especially out there in the world, you know, you look around and you realize that, that most people aren't going to church. When you look at the numbers of people in the world, you look at the numbers of people in a church, there wouldn't be enough churches to hold the people if everybody went to church. Even though we got tons and tons of churches, there just wouldn't be enough. But when Paul says that the Gentiles who weren't pursuing righteousness as a way of life attained it, that was just, just like spitting in the face of the Jews to hear him say that, but when the gospel comes, that's exactly what happened, right? But think about this, what he's gonna tell us in this section, the greatest obstacle to salvation is what? Self-righteousness. That people think they can get to heaven on their own and everywhere you look, you go back to, into the deepest, darkest jungles of anywhere in the world, and what do people do? They make sacrifices, they do all these things, and they do this and they don't that. Do that, and religion says what? Do this and don't do that, right? That's what religion says. But Christianity says, when Christ died on the cross, it was done. And the only way you're ever gonna come to salvation is if you realize there's absolutely nothing that you or I can ever do to attain salvation. Like I said, back in Ephesians, Chapter 2, he says, you're saved by grace through faith that is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And I've said that before, and I'll say it again, that if we could do anything to get to heaven, when we all got to heaven, we'd be saying, well, I did this, and I did that, and I did this, and I did that, and, and that's how I got here to heaven, and guess what? It'd be just like here on earth, wouldn't it? It'd be another big old look at me contest, right? Who's smarter than a fifth grader? And you know, who can do this and who can do that? Just be this big old contest. And so he says that here it is, that there's a righteousness that's attained by faith. And then he says here that basically that the Jews, but Israel pursuing the law of righteousness has not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith. And that's the whole bottom line here is the reason the Jews didn't get salvation, the reason people today don't get salvation is, you know, you talk to most people today and they're going to say, I'm all right with God or God's all right with me. But people say, well, he's got a good heart, but the Bible says the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who could know it? The Bible said there's none righteous, no, not one. And there's none going to make it to heaven that if, We've talked about that before. If we, if, if the standard was to do a certain thing, then people will be cut out, right? Some people say, well, you get baptized. Well, you go over and 
Africa where there's a water shortage. They don't even have enough water to drink, much less baptize somebody in it. Could walk a mile and, you know, you take some people in a wheelchair, some people that have been crippled, more than crippled, you couldn't walk a mile. You know, we all just, every single one of us, fall short. That's why God says, unless you believe in me and that I am he, then you will perish in your sins. And so over and over and over again, the Bible talks about salvation by grace through faith. That, you know, that the human response is, is the only way we're going to make it is if we what? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Like I said, he says, Israel pursuing the law of righteousness. And I could go all the way back over here to, to Romans. And I, what, what's crazy is, you remember, not Romans, Philippians. We've been studying the book of Philippians with our little small group. Paul over here, he, he's talking about these, these, these uh, Jewish Judaizers that talk about, you know, you got to become like a Jew to be saved. And he says here, he says, you know, if you think you're somebody, he says, for we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. He says, if anyone thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, he says, listen, here's my credentials. I more so circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But then he goes on to say, but what things were gained to me, I've counted as loss for Christ, yet indeed I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and, not, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. And what does he say here? He says, man, I was circumcised eight days just like I was supposed to be. I was of the tribe of Israel. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm God's people, right? I'm, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. That was the kingly line, right? I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. You know, by this time, a lot of the Jews had lost their ability to even speak Hebrew language. And Paul's saying, I was a Hebrew. I was raised by Hebrews, and I was re raised in all the Hebrew traditions and rituals and all the things. And, and I, I've got it all. I'm a Pharisee. I'm one of these elite of elite people. And he says, concerning zeal, I persecuted the church. You know, I thought the church was the wrong way to go. Concerning the righteous, which, which is in the law, blameless. In other words, when the law said, do this, I did it. And if I failed, I went and made all the right sacrifices. I did all the right things, right? And that's what these Jews did here. They, they thought they were all that, as somebody used to say, all that in a bag of chips. I don't hear that too much anymore. But they thought they were all that. But they weren't because they didn't seek it by faith. It was that simple. They didn't seek it by faith. God offers salvation as a free gift. And that's the hard part for people to understand is they can't do anything to get to heaven. They can't join the church. They can't be baptized. Their good works don't do it. None of those things do it. It's just cry out on the mercy of God and say, Oh, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And so what does he do? He, When he gets in this section here in verse 31 32 he says why because they did not seek it by faith but 
as it were, by works of the law, for they stumbled at that stumbling stone. And he quotes two verses from Isaiah, and he quotes Isaiah 8, 14, and, and also uh, 28, 16. And he says, For they stumbled at that stumbling stone, as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. What does he say here? He says that they did seek it by faith, but by works of the law. So they're trying to work their way into heaven by doing this and not doing that. But what does he, when he quotes Isaiah, what does Isaiah do? He predicted that the Jews would stumble at the stumbling stone. Remember in the Old Testament, in Isaiah 8:14, that it refers to God as that stone, right? Remember when they were in the wilderness and they were drinking from that rock and it said that rock was Christ, is what 1 Peter 2 says, verse 8. They stumbled over it. And today they're still stumbling over the fact that Jesus is Christ. And they're still looking for the Messiah. Most of them are. There are some what you call completed Jews. I think that's what they call them. But they are people who have truly believed that Jesus is who was fulfilled, the, who fulfilled all the Old Testament scriptures, right? And that's who is the one who fulfills that. But yet many people don't believe that. Specifically, the Jews don't believe that. They're still trying to do the things that they do. I got a friend of mine that lives over in a Jewish community. He, he lives right in the midst of them and, and I guess he got a foreclosed house, you know, and got a good deal on it. But when, they, when it comes time, they, they put their little tents and their little things on top of the roof of the house, you know, for the feast of booths and all these things. And they, you know, stay out there for a little while, I guess. And I don't know exactly how far they go with all of it, but they're still trying to do all this stuff to please God. Just like today, people are taking communion, they're being baptized, they're doing all these things, joining the church and say, well, I'm going to heaven. But they're not. Not because of that. Only because of trusting in Jesus Christ, right? And so they stumbled over that stumbling stone and he says in verse 33, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. And that word Zion is really just a, another word for Jerusalem and, and the place of God. What does he say here? That he lays there a, a stumbling stone and a rock of fence. In other words, you know when you walk along and all of a sudden there's a stone and you stumble it over it? Well, that's what they're doing. They're stumbling over Jesus Christ because Jesus is that rock. He is our fortress. He is our high tower. He is our strength. They stumbled over him and he's a rock of offense because what did, who were the ones that put Jesus to death? The Jews, right? They put Jesus to death. They were out in the crowd egging the people on and, and tell them, say, crucify him, crucify him. And the people did it. And that's what they did, and they crucified him. But what does he say here last of all? But he finishes up on a high note, and he says, and whoever believes on him, doesn't say whoever was elect, whoever was chosen, whoever was foreordained before the foundation of the earth, whoever joined the church or got baptized or did this or did that or did the other, but whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. And so the issue is faith, right? That's all it is. 
You know, when people say, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. Remember that old book back in the, I think it was back in the 70s, I think it was. I'm okay, you're okay. <laughs> that was a big seller, right? And, and that's the problem today is people think, I'm okay and you're okay. Well, you know, everybody's basically got a good heart. Everybody's basically okay. But when you look at all the stuff that's going on in the world, you realize that, that people don't have a good heart. You know, we try to do what's right, and some of us do better than others, and some of us don't fall into the sin that some of the people do out there in the world, but you know what? We're all capable of it. That's the sad part, is all of us are capable of anything. At least we are when we're younger, and I look around, and these young folks, they, they just have, we've got two or three generations of kids now that have been raised by kids. You know, we got kids raising kids and kids raising kids and kids raising kids from all the way back in the 60s. We've got generations of kids that just have absolutely no respect for anybody, anything, or anyone. And that's what's sad. And, you know, that's the way a lot of these Jews are. It's sad that, you know, they think they're better than everybody else, but yet they're not. They're just like, yes, they might be God's chosen people. They might be God's people that he loved with everlasting love and he has a plan for them in the future but you know what they're just like everybody else they have to trust in God by faith so you can pursue God without finding God because guess what you can pursue him the wrong way right you could you could be trusting in the wrong thing I remember the story about the People that were riding around and they had a camper or something and they bought it and they never checked the spare tire and and the whole time they were riding around they thought well you know if we ever have a flat then I'm okay because guess what I got a spare tire one day they opened up the trunk and looked where it was at and the thing was just as flat and messed up as it could be right so when you trust in the wrong thing you're not gonna be okay right and even though Israel has abandoned God, God hadn't abandoned Israel, and there are going to be some that are saved, just like the Bible says that wide is way and narrow that leads to destruction, and few there be that find it, but straight is the way and narrow is the way. And you know what? There are some people on that road because why? Because they've been saved by grace through faith. It is the gift of God, not of works. It, like I said, it's the same way in the world you look around and there's only a few people saved out of everywhere right i mean everywhere we go all the places we minister to we probably see you know somewhere maybe close to 10 percent of the people that actually trust christ that don't know the lord out of all the people that we go to there's probably about 10 percent of all the people that we minister to that probably trust Christ. I don't know how that number works out. Maybe it's like that one in ten with the lepers and, and Jesus healed them and, and only one came back, right? I don't know how that works. There's another place he talks about the one out of the four seeds that gets saved. So I don't know if that means there's a total of about 25% people get saved. I don't know how you work all those numbers out. You probably can't. But all I know is there's just a small percentage of people that get saved. And the only way they get saved is by grace, getting something we don't deserve, because we all deserve death, hell, and damnation. 
but we're saved by grace through faith. Faith is the vehicle. Grace is the the thing that we're given, that we're given something we don't deserve, right? That's what grace is, right? Getting what you don't deserve. But the other side of that is mercy. You know, when you were a kid and somebody would get you down and they were tickling you or they were doing something to you and somebody would, you'd holler out and say, mercy, and they say, all right, well, I got you and I could go ahead and finish you off, but I'm going to let you go. That's mercy, right? Well, we get mercy from God because we all deserve death and hell and damnation. But he gives us something we don't deserve, salvation, because we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and are saved. And so he says, and whoever believes will not be put to shame. In other words, that word, whoever believes, has no reason to fear is what that means. You know, the Bible says that when you trust in God, perfect love casts out fear is what the Bible says. Well, let's pray and let's close. Father, we're just so thankful that, that there's two sides to salvation. Yes, you are sovereign. But somehow, some way, we don't know how it works, Lord. We as human beings are supposed to cry out and ask for the mercy of God, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. You said without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so somehow, some way, we have the ability to have faith, to trust in you. And Lord, we ask that there's just even one here that's never trusted you. That, Lord, by faith today, they would just cry out, believe that Jesus died on the cross for their sins, that he died in their place, and there's nothing they can do to earn it, to deserve it, to pay for it. But as the old song says, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washes us white as snow. Lord, thank you for your saving gift of salvation by grace through faith that's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Lord, we thank you that you paid it all and then you offer it to us. Lord, we love you and thank you. And for the rest of us that know you, Lord, we pray that we would just continue to share that free gift with others and tell them that it's available to them too if they will just believe. They will not have to fear. They will not be put to shame. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Please help us reach out to those the world has forgotten. Everyone we minister to is locked up in some way, shape, or form. Those in the nursing home facilities are locked up in bodies that do not work in a wheelchair or in a bed. We minister to children and youth who are locked up because of behavioral problems. Some have told us we want to have a real family because their parents have lost or given up custody of them. Other kids are locked up because they've committed crimes. We also minister to those locked up at the jails and the prisons, to those locked up in addictions, to drugs, alcohol, depression, and suicidal thoughts, to those locked up in a variety of other things that keep them from becoming who Jesus wants them to be. He came to give us abundant life, joy, and set us free, and these people that we minister to are not free. Our desire is to show them whatever their background, no matter what they've done, to see how much God loves them. We seek to help them receive forgiveness and freedom from their sin in Jesus Christ. We minister in the local area of Savannah, Georgia, and surrounding Effingham and Chatham area. We have recently expanded our ministry 
to the Lexington, Columbia, South Carolina area. We do over 2,000 services every year. We hope and pray that you will support us in some way that so we can continue our mission. Go to hisloveministries.net and click on the Donate Now button or send it via regular mail to Post Office Box 1881, Lexington, South Carolina, 29071. We hope and pray that you will do that. Thank you and God bless you. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. John 832.